ever since It's been a long, a long time coming But I know a change gonna come Welcome to Friars on the Farm Podcast. I'm Donovan, and uh, just once again, maybe for the last time, I'm with Roy via Skype. I hope not for the last time with me. Well, no. for a new co-host? No. <laughs> no, dude. You make this thing legit. I, I, it was just my idea. You really make it legit. But today we're joined with um, Terrence Tucker. Terrence Tucker is the, is the well, who are you, Terrence Tucker? Terrence? <laughs> Well, hey, Donovan and Roy, thanks for having me on today. Um, I'm Terrence. I'm just the guy that gets the chance to serve others. And um, currently, I'm the clubhouse manager with the Lake Elsinore Storm baseball team. And um, I get a chance to get to know players that are on their way to pursue their dreams in the big leagues. Now, you're also the corporate partnerships sales executive, uh, and you also run your own foundation as well, correct? Yeah, yeah. I've been fortunate enough to balance out you know chasing my big league dreams uh, while supporting my family with um, obviously working in the stormfront office and um, you know I've, I've wiggled my way into a, a full-time job um, as a salesman there um, providing advertising for businesses and I treat that job just like I treat the locker room I service my clients just like I service the players I treat them like I want to be treated and good things happen so I found some success doing that um, 10 years later it inspired me to go ahead and start my own foundation where I can serve more people in the community um, that I focus on military families in the community as well. Fantastic. Well, let's let's take a few steps back. Um, were you you born and raised in San Diego? Yeah, born in San Diego, October 1985. Um, actually, October 21st, the same day as our one of my favorite shortstops, Khalil Green. Um, oh, how about that? Actually, wow. Yeah. Khalil. KG. Um, Yep. San Diego, mom and dad, um, both served in the military. So we were stationed there. Okay. So you grew up a Padres fan, obviously. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> all 10 of us, right? Right. <laughs> Man, and some of us just, God, it's been a tough sports all, life for us, Terrence. Uh, wait, the, you said all 10 of you? Are you from a large family? No, I mean, my little community, there wasn't many baseball fans where I was from in, in my little area. So it was hard to get my my friends to stop watching, you know, basketball and football and, and jump on the bandwagon for the Padres. Okay, but baseball has always been your first love. For me personally, um, I, I can't lie. Basketball and tennis is my first love. And um, being so close to Qualcomm Stadium, baseball and Tony Gwynn and, you know, Phil Nevin, Trevor Hoffman, those guys just grew on me. I, I love them as people and being able to watch them so close from home. How can you not transition to – Wanted to know more about baseball. Okay, so you wound up pursuing a, a bachelor's degree. You got your bachelor's degree in business and corporate communications from San Diego State, but you worked your way through Mesa Community College. At what point was it that you uh, that you had in your mind that you wanted to work in baseball? Well, it's just kind of surreal how I even got involved in baseball. My my uh, my basketball coach, um, Spanish teacher who was also working part of uh, full-time as the Padres um, video coordinator, Mike Tompkins. Um, okay. He came up to me in 2003 as a senior and said, Hey T, do you have any interest in being a bat boy? And I was like, well, duh, of course. Like that's a, every kid's dream job. And I, I, I wouldn't, I would, I'm not going to lie to you guys. I used to go to the games as a fan and I was, I would harass the bat boy. 
and say, hey, bad boy, like, how did you get that job? Hey, bad boy, like, can I have a ball? You know, like, I would harass him not knowing that five, ten years down the road I would become a bad boy. And um, it was weird because the guy who actually trained me to be a bad boy was, was the same kid <laughs> <laughs> who would harass JoJo. And, and I kind of followed his footsteps. JoJo was a bad boy back in the, you know, the late 90s even when they went to the World Series and he went on to San Diego State to graduate and you know here I am kind of following his footsteps in a sense <laughs> okay so as a bat boy I we see the guys you know they run out they, they get the bat they have balls that they bring out to the umpires uh what are some of the duties that a bat boy has I mean you're also a clubhouse assistant so what were some of the things you had to do that we didn't see from uh from the stands well that that job was so special about that job is that every day is different you know, you show up, and I remember the first day I showed up in the locker room. And, um, I remember Phil Nevin, and I had this big fro, obviously. I don't know if you guys remember. I had this big fro, and um, it kind of took everybody back because people were saying I resembled Ozzy Smith in a sense. And um, they're like, man, wizard, hey, wizard, hey, wizard. And um, our everyday responsibilities were never the same because it was like we we're still trying to find our way. You know, right. I, I would essentially set up batting practice and you know, get the field ready and fold towels and pass out, you know, uniforms. But it was so remarkable because, like, I was a part of a team. I had my own locker, and here I am as a 17-year-old kid in awe when I see professional athletes walking by me, not only from our team but the opposing teams. And I was just quite honestly thankful to be there, and I didn't even know I got paid <laughs> right. until I got my first paycheck. <laughs> so real quick, you, you did this in 2003, right? So this yes. this must have been the first year. So in two thousand two, Dusty Baker's son runs out to get the bat during uh, you know JT Snow snags him up, and mm-hmm. after that, I think it became MLB rules that you had to be at least sixteen. How old was yeah. How old was JoJo when you were heckling him? <laughs> well, he was old enough um, because not many people know the true age of these bat boys. Right. You know, Jojo at the time when I first met him, he was actually, I think in college. Okay. Even um, I, I bat boyed until I was in my 24th year of life, I think, or something like that. So, um, you know, we resemble a younger persona, but we're old enough in a sense. Um, but yeah, I was right there at the cups. I was 17 years old when I first started and actually, um, they required to be 18 at the time. Uh. So, I had to wait a couple months to start because I wasn't old enough because of the whole fiasco of Dusty Baker's kid. That's funny. You know, <laughs> when I was when I was twelve, I wanted to get a job as a newspaper delivery boy, and then right <laughs> before my birthday, they changed the rules and and everybody had to be. I think they had to be eighteen to get that job. I was disappointed. <laughs> Who knows what what would happen, right? <laughs> So, so you, uh, while you were working as a bat boy, you were also going to school in Mesa, uh, and then you transferred to San Diego state. Uh, so the degree that you were working on, did you have an idea that you wanted to stay in sports? No, I mean, I, um, I graduated high school, Oh three from Kearney high school. And then I wanted to stay close to home. I love my job. It was like a dream job as far as being able to provide for myself and, you know, still live a normal life. And, um, you know, tell all my friends about all these great stories and whatnot. So I stayed close and went to Mesa College for three years where I actually played on the basketball and tennis team there. And um, that was cool because I got a chance to, you know, prolong my own personal dreams right. of pursuing sports. 
Um, by no means thinking I was going to go pro, but I love the camaraderie aspect of sports in general. I love the I love to compete uh, at any level, whether it's with my kids or with the you know a professional baseball player playing ping pong. Um, I just love sports in general because it brings all people together, it brings yeah. families together to support and love one another. So that's kind of why um, I was able to manage that out. Where I went on to San Diego State, I got a degree in anything easy to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not psychology. A lot of guys that where I work, they get psychology. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, is everything okay, Roy? <laughs> Everything's fine. <laughs> so, Terrence, I, you, so you're a tennis guy. Who who were your tennis uh, heroes growing up? You Pete Sampras guy? Are you Andre Agassi guy? Um, my my buddies they used to call me Dark Sampras. So um, Dark, Sam- I was a big yeah. <laughs> I was a big Pete Sampras. Um, obviously Arthur Ashe. Yeah. You know, and um, you know, again, tennis was a whole another element of sports that I love because you know you had control of your game and yeah. you can go out there and compete every day and do what you got to do to win. So do you, are you a clay, are you a clay grass or uh, asphalt? This is asphalt. Yeah. I mean, right. I never got to that level or anything. <laughs> okay. So you graduated and it, that same summer, is that when you went off to uh, Fort Wayne to be the clubhouse manager for the tin caps? Man, I got to think back. Cause um, I remember um, it was my seventh season with the, with the Padres and you know, I got my college degree. I decided to do one more season because I, I wanted to enjoy myself. I wanted I didn't have no stresses of school or finals or you know anything besides this work, which is was a dream job for me still. So I said to myself that I feel like I'm going to just enjoy my final year as a bat boy um, with the Padres without having to go to school. And um, the year after, I'll figure out what I'm going to do in life. And then. Um, you know, I had some conversations with some people at the Padres, and um, I asked them some recommendations of what they thought I should do if I wanted to pursue to be a clubhouse manager for a team. And they said, you have two choices. You can stick it out just like the rest of us here, or you can pursue your own journey in, in minor league baseball. And um, that was in 2010, uh, the second year the Tin Caps were there in Fort Wayne uh, with the new stadium. And I had no clue the difference between major league baseball and minor league baseball, zero idea how different the industries were. I was, I was quite humbled. <laughs> <laughs> so what were some of the differences that you found going from one to the other? Well, the, well, in major league baseball, you put the players on a pedestal, you know, with all due respect, because, you know, you got the viewers, the, you know, people are watching them. They come to the games for that. In minor league baseball, it's, it's more important for us to put the fans on a pedestal, which is, yeah. I, I'm, I'm sold on now. I, I'm in love with that concept now, you know, being my 10th year with the storm. Um, so when I got to Fort Wayne, you know, Mike Nutter, awesome, you know, um, general manager and president there, um, kind of sat me down and said, Terrence, slow down. We know you want to keep treat your players with big league experiences, but we're in the minor leagues and it's the minor league for a reason. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> So now we've seen what they what they do with uh, with Sam Lewis, who's the clubhouse attendant there now, um, and he's the same age as the players, and really he's he's their peer. Uh, it, mm-hmm. it seems like in many ways, and they treat him as their peer, as a, a, a proper teammate. So it's not like, hey kid, go get me a towel. Mm-hmm. There's a different kind of a mutual right. respect that it seems. That did, did you find that when you when you went down there? Yeah. My, I mean, again, like I'm going back to my very first season in the minor leagues where before I left, I never would envision that 
A, there would be a player older than me um, as a bat boy with the Padres because I was always the youngest in the locker room. I was always kind of the kid brother. And I remember asking Kyle Blanks, hey, how old are you? And he was like, I'm 24 or 23 at the time. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm, I'm older than Kyle <laughs> Blanks. You know? and, and that's when I realized, like, I got to do something different. It's coming like a, a – uh, again, a, a ego check where I'm like, I'm older than some of these guys. Right. So then I go ahead and um, I transition to the minor league baseball where I'm, I'm like their same age there, um, especially for some of the college guys. And I get a chance to in, be introduced to like a Nate Fryman or a Jerry Sullivan, a Danny Payne, where we are peers and we are friends and we get a chance to be on this journey together. And, um, you know, it kind of happened that way where I started out in Fort Wayne in low A and the very next year, I get a phone call saying, hey, man, like, you're going to go to high A. And I'll call my buddies who I think are my buddies, the players, and they're like, man, T, I'll see you next year. We're moving up together. In three years, we'll be in the big leagues. And <laughs> it stopped. <laughs> <laughs> well, how did – so how did how did it work? Did Was there a job opening or did did, did uh, you know did the owners of Lake Elsinore, or the Elmore Group, give you a call like, hey, we have a spot for you. You want to come back home? Or was it internal? It's all luck, to be honest, you know, because me being from San Diego, um, that's the ideal place I want to be if it's not San Diego Padres. Yeah. You know, it's a dream of mine, obviously, to get back to the big league level, especially if it makes sense for my family being, you know, in San Diego and whatnot. Um, but I actually kind of called it quits where I realized that minor league baseball wasn't for me. Um, and I was very thankful for the opportunity in Fort Wayne to, to learn that, you know, being so far away from home. I was like, I don't think it's worth it. Um, and it snows so there, there and like there's it's cold oh, it's and cold yeah it was way too far from home i was not in california anymore put it that way so were you away from baseball for a year uh i thought i was i had an, i had an off season where um i got a job as a admissions counselor at ashford university okay who they were padres um partnerships with them so they got me in there as a counselor and i loved it i was helping change lives for people to go back to school right up my alley and then six months later, the phone rings and say, hey, T, like we have an opening with the storm. Would you want to be the clubby? And I'm like, oh, my God, like I got out of that life. And six months later, I'm like, now I'm I'm forced to make a decision, go back to making nothing and pursue a dream or stick out a career where I'm making decent money providing <laughs> for my family. <laughs> so what was the what was the tipping point that sent you back? Well, I, I called my dad. My dad's like, T. You can always go back to work for the college. Go pursue your dreams. We got your back. Yeah. You know, go chase something that you believe in. And um, and, I, and I'm I'm thankful to do that because I got a chance to meet people like you and you know players that are gone on through the system and learn a lot of valuable lessons in life through baseball. Well, so your role has expanded uh, mm -hmm. with the storm since then. And obviously, you you now carry a pretty good title um, as uh, was it corporate partnerships and sales executive. Uh, that mm -hmm. sounds nice on a resume. Uh, I hope I hope that means that also sounds nice on your paycheck. So how is your <laughs> how has your role grown over the years? You've been there ten years now. Yeah. So, I mean, I was on this journey just like the players to move up through the levels. And sure enough, after my um, after my first year with the Storm, I got an opportunity to move up to Double A. And I was like, oh my goodness, it's 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 really happening, boys. Like it, I'm I'm moving up with my guys. I'm do I did the right thing. But here I am forced to make a decision where am I going to move to Texas and take a chance or am I going to stay in California and pursue a dream? And um, 
I, I talked it over with my family. Mm. I talked it over with the Padres, and I said, "Hey, would I be dinged if I chose not to, um, you know, not to take that double A job?" And uh, they said, "No, T. Like, we know who you are. Do you do what's best for your family? And I promise you, you don't need to be in double A or triple A clubby to get a big league job. You know, a big league clubby job." All right, real you know? quick, turn around. Your boy's doing something with his mouth in the mirror. <laughs> <laughs> That's my son, Xavier, yeah. Xavier, what's up, dude? <laughs> dude, were you checking us that's out X, while you were looking in the mirror, or were you just checking out your teeth? He's just looking at your teeth. He's smiling. <laughs> <laughs> so you've put down roots in in, uh, in the Lake Elsinore area now, right? You got a, you, well, I you was got a son? At the time. Okay. I was comedian at the time. I was comedian at the time, so both my kids were born in San Diego. Um they went through this whole journey with us. And yeah, like in this whole 10 years, I have two kids, one that's nine and one that's seven now. Oh, that's a perfect age. Perfect. Two, two years apart. They'll be able to go to high school together. Uh, my brother is 18 months older than I am. So it's, it's nice to have a brother that's a little older than me. And, uh, you know, you go through school together. You don't get picked on as much in high school. And we played sports together. We played football together. Right on. So staying in Lake Elsinore, at, at what point did you start kind of having a dual role? Okay, so yeah, so I was I was kind of playing like I was negotiating because I called the the, um, the the then president for the storm said, hey Dave Oster, thanks for the opportunity. I'm going to go ahead and move on to Double A, and he was like, no T, like we want you to stay, and I was like I was not expecting that, and he didn't know that I kind of was leaning on both ways still, so I kind of parlayed it where I said, well hey Dave, I'll stay, but. You know, I, I'm having a kid. I need I need health benefits, and I need an opportunity to make more than a clubby would make during the season. Because as a clubby, you're just a seasonal employee. So um, I wanted to pursue a full time job with them by doing both. And he looked at me, and was like, "There's no way you can do both, T." And I said, "Well, just give me an opportunity to, to try it out." So they brought me in in that for, that first year as an intern, where I um I was still able to be the clubby and work my way up to the sales ladder. And um, 10 years later, now I'm overseeing my own department with the sales team. Um, I'm fortunate enough to have learned from the best, you know, with a lot of like-minded people and kind of taking their, their, their craft and making my own, you know? So if you had the opportunity to, to leave the clubhouse manager role aside and focus full-time on the sales management side? That's tough. I mean, I'm a big, big believer, like no job defines who you are. And, you know, being the clubby has almost put things in perspective to me to remind me like what life's about, which is about serving others and being able to serve others in my own way has been tremendous wealth to me giving back where I can apply that to my life with my kids and my business. And um, I don't know if I would do that, um, especially at this stage in my life, just because I get so much out of, you know, the players and the staff and just that locker room environment where I can apply it to life. So. I don't know. I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, we okay. We, so go ahead. No, well, we, we no, see you, you when we see you in the in the clubhouse. So you know they they definitely the boys respect you, but you it, it is your house. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I'm I'm 34 now, so that's the thing that's kind of crazy. I this is 17 years of this industry that has shaped me. Yeah, to who I, who I am now, and 17 years you know ago, I would never have imagined my life being where it's now. You know, and I'm so thankful for the opportunity to have learned from these players and these these coaches and these rovers and the fans to kind of help me guide me in life because 
again, I'm looking back at my my career, and I've I've been fortunate enough to be a part of two playoff teams with the Padres when it when they got to the first round with 04 and 05 or something. Yeah. 05, 06. Um, I won the championship in the Cal League in 2011, my first year. You know, like those are things that I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna remember forever in my life. Yeah. And um, I'm just thankful because not many people can say that. You know. You know, and in, in minor league baseball, and this is what I love about having our podcast being a minor league podcast. It is, it, it's so fun, and and kind of what we do here is it kind of mimics what minor league baseball is. We have fun, we have a good time, even with the interviews we have, and when we you know, when we cover every uh, affiliate during the season, we have fun with it. It's loose. It's it's not like major league baseball. Is so. You know, you have to be on message. You have to be on point. It's very much like you, you don't see, you don't see, you don't see nothing here. You know what I mean? It's very almost closed in a way. I'm sure inside, as you talked about, there's a lot of camaraderie, but in, in minor league baseball, there's a, there's a freedom there to, uh, you know, to be able to walk out into the crowd and walk in the concourse and see people, you know, that you see every day, um, you know, people you work with and the fans and and the players, and being so close from Lake Elsinore to San Diego, you know, how many times did you go to the ball, you know, down to Petco and go like, Joey, you know, and you call out and see guys that you know that you, you know, you you know them as people other than just these, you know, Major League Baseball figures. Well, it kind of, again, puts things into perspective as far as like how important minor league baseball is. Yeah. Other than, other than, you know, obviously a place to play baseball, it's teaching them how to be professional on and off the field. Of how to you know incorporate the fan experience, you know we we mold them at a certain you know level where we're encouraging them to do for them to do um, player appearances and you know help out with clinics. And at the time being, I'm sure they don't like it because they're like, oh man, I gotta do this. But when they move up a level or two and they get to the big leagues, they realize that man, like, all right, I'm used to this. I know how to interact with these kids. I know right. how to speak to you know in public. So like. I love the fact that we get a chance to teach them certain things about their career off of the field that will not go away despite the level they're at. So it's, it's, it's cool to see the minor league camaraderie come together, not just on that sense, but I mean, these bus rides, you know, these road trips, we are grinding, you know, we're all like a little family for six months out of the year. We're spending more time together than we are real families. And we see each other almost too much where, we get to know a lot about each other and our character. So huge kudos to these players that pursue their dreams when it's not all the glory that we see on TV, you know? For sure. Well, and talk about that for a minute with, you know, the, the role of the team in the community. You know, we'll mm-hmm. talk a little bit later on about strikeout for a cause, but like the the effect that the Lake Elsinore Storm have in the community of Lake Elsinore and the surrounding areas is, is huge. And with the contraction of, with the MLB 120 plan, which, you know, for all intents and purposes, it sounds like it's going to happen no matter if we like it or not. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's going to be a loss in some of these communities of what of what they do for the community, not only just having a, a place to go and watch uh, these kids play baseball, but it's it's where young kids can come watch, you know, these young guys play baseball and dream and kind of get, uh, you know, the, sometimes their first taste of, of baseball. And... Not to mention all the the service of the community that you guys do. I mean, I I see a I follow Lake Elsinore Storm obviously on Instagram every week during this pandemic. It seems like you guys are doing something for the community there, with it being the food bank or you know the firefighters giving out food or something like that. Where it's you can you can you can feel and taste the um, 
the part of the community that they are. And some of these communities are going to lose that. I mean, I appreciate you paying attention because yeah, like without the community, we don't survive. And one thing that I learned in, in my league baseball as a salesman is that we don't sell baseball. We sell the family memorable experiences. Yeah. And it's true because we've always been groomed to operate because we can't control baseball. Like we don't know what players we're going to get. We don't know uh, what team might get called up or might be sent down. So how can we depend on our roster? We can't. Right. We solely depend on the experience, which is the fans first, and trying to make them feel as important as any other big leaguer. And um, unfortunately, without baseball being played today, you know that can't stop. These families, these local communities lean on us for education, for resources, for affordable outings. Um, and as we start to loosen our restrictions, we're going to start to get more creative. You know, as you notice, we did the food. Uh, we're teaming up uh, with Feeding America. That's it. Yeah, that's been that, great, dude. That's been humbling and like just to be out there. You know, making some smiles happen, having our mascot shake some hands, and you know, do his belly bump and all that. So, I describe mean, exactly what you guys yeah. are doing with that with that whole thing. With Feeding America, I mean, obviously they're doing their part, and we're just using our venue as a, a opportunity to feed about um, three thousand families per outing. Wow. Um, we're hosting another one, I believe, on June 12th. Um, that's been a beautiful thing to be a part of, which just gets more exposure and impressions on our facility. We teed up with the city um, to be a COVID-19 testing facility. So, you know, Thursday, I, I believe Monday through Friday, we're having people go get tests there for free and whatnot. And uh, we've been able to feed the testers and feed the, the physicians on site. Um, so it's been mutually beneficial for everybody. Um I know if you haven't seen already, we're actually doing the diamond drive-in. So Thursday, Fridays, and Saturdays, we brought it back to old school where we have about 55 to 85 cars in our parking lot where we're doing drive-in movies. And um, it was nice to see the Padres starting to do it too uh, because it's something that speaks to us. I Family saw that. You had, the, you had the big screen up on the wall yeah. right there. What did you guys show this last time? <laughs> um <laughs> kind of ghetto but it's smiling baseball um the last movie show was jurassic park well it was also a fraction of what they were charging they were charging like 45 bucks to do it down here in san diego and you guys were so much cheaper than that for again this is minor league baseball gives a an affordable opportunity for families to go out and and do something where to go to a baseball game bring your family of kids it's a hundred bucks just to walk in the door where Lake Elsinore, I mean, the Storm or any minor league team, it's it's a fraction of that. So the entertainment and all the other, the, the education and all the other stuff that you guys provide, there's a huge impact to the community that, that a minor league organization has. Yeah, it's essential for us because, don't get me wrong, if the Padres called me and said, hey, Terrence, we want you to be, you know, at the so-and-so job at the highest level, I'm going to have a hard time turning that down. But like, as it stands today, like I'm living my best life, living my dream where I can help others with this platform. And it's so beautiful that Storm Baseball allows us their creativity and, and almost to be authentic to who we are as yeah. individuals to make a change. Because if you see our page and our you know platform, it's not perfect, but really who is? You know, we're learning on the go. And I love the fact that our owner, Gary Jacobs, believes in us so much and believes in this concept so much that he understands that we're never going to recoup baseball revenue. So for the time being, let's stick to what we're good at, which is making memories and being affordable with what we do. Yeah. Well, don't, don't think people aren't paying attention. Uh, there's another minor league team that's close to you guys that we were friends with, uh, their assistant general manager. And 
you know, I, I would, they, they were talking about how well you guys do social media. They're like, we want to be like the storm. Cause you have the Instagram, <laughs> you have the Twitter, you guys are constantly engaged with the community and constantly engaged in social media. And, you know, so you, other people in the industry are taking notice and obviously the storm eyes are the, what the highest selling minor league logo almost of, of all time. Yeah. But, I mean, so what I what I see isn't just the branding and the social media interaction. It's also all the events that you guys run around the ballpark that are either in conjunction with the baseball games or when there isn't even baseball happening at the facility. Yeah, absolutely. Like we're 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 obviously trying to be sustainable without baseball uh, because we never know when anything might happen to our situation, yeah. just like we're in today. So you know, we, we want to make sure that we're structured our business as a platform that can service anything and everything. Um, you know, we just recently had a couple of concerts, you know, a couple of years back, we had Snoop Dogg there performing at our stadium. And I believe you were there. <laughs> I, I, I didn't go to that one, but I wanted to. I couldn't talk the wife into it. We had other stuff going on. So is, is there going to be uh, the what's the Diamond After Dark or the Halloween? What's the Halloween uh, promotion called? Oh, yes. The, the, oh, my goodness. The, um, <laughs> Stadium of Screams or something. Yeah, yeah, that's it. When you guys yeah, we, have Monster Jam there, you have a bunch of stuff, right? Yeah, I mean, we're a, we're a event facility, you know, and anything and everything goes around baseball, obviously. But, you know, we have so many families that we can service in our area. So if we can get a venue, you know, secured and booked, we're going to do everything we can nice. to work around our baseball schedule. Nice. So you talk – with everything that's going on around minor league baseball right now, there's this looming thing that they're talking about cutting as many as 40 teams. And there's even discussions that long-term down the road, there may be even more drastic changes. Have there been conversations within the storm about what do we do in case something like that were to happen? I mean, those are conversations that we're all hearing and, you know, reading about that are inevitable to happen, obviously. And, you know, we're in a, pretty good situation with our venue being, you know, good, highly maintained. And we have such a great facility that we're always trying to improve. So, I mean, me personally speaking on it, I don't think we're in trouble and we're always going to be prepared to do what we have to do to provide um, entertainment for fans. And we look forward to an opportunity really, because there's going to be changes that happen, but um, I'm optimistic to know that we're going to be able to provide some type of experience when given. Okay, so I got a question on the entertainment side. So it sounds like you're you're very locked in on the business side, and you know, obviously with clubhouse management and all that. But minor league baseball is a show. We talked to the guys with uh, the um, Brandios, and they come up oh, with yeah. the logos. They come up with a lot of marketing ideas, and they talk about how there's a baseball game going on, but there's like a circus around it, and yeah. that's the show that they're part of. Have you ever? Do, do you ever take part in any of that stuff, like the on-field stuff? Have you ever had to put on a mascot costume, any of that? Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, we have this captive audience, you know, uh, you know, that gets a chance to be engaged and, and entertained with that circus, you call it. And um, I have personally um, gotten into, you know, the mascot outfits um, during any breaks to fill in for a role. Um, one of my, probably like one of my favorite things that I've done that, was during an in-game inning break was we did, you know, the fastest squirrel in the world, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Ace. Ace. Okay. So Ace, he was the hottest thing. And, you know, we had at the time, Billy Hamilton, Billy Hamilton was playing against the storm when he was with Bakersfield blaze. And, oh. you know, we, we got him, we got his, his, um, his permission for 
for me to grab one of his jerseys. I mean, I'm the, I'm still the clubby, so I, I could go get access to his club, his jersey. <laughs> and uh, I put on a hat, some you know face paint, put on his pants, and uh, we announced it from the um, from the booth saying, "Wolf fans, you know today is a special race here today. We have the fastest score in the world versus our very own Billy Hamilton." And it was really me that was in it. <laughs> ah! <laughs> did um, how, how'd you do? Did Brian say did scroll? Well, it was staged, obviously. So he gave me my head start. I was out in front. I was running my hardest. I didn't care what the script said. I was trying to win. Ah! And um, <laughs> he was so fast. He got me at the very end, and it was fun to be a part of that. You know, because those are the kind of quirky things that we do to make fans, you know, laugh, and for us to laugh internally and. That's what seems the case to be seems to be the case is that if we think it's funny and we think it's fun, like at least we get a chuckle out of it, you know. And then hopefully someone else laughs. Well, you know, so we were so, at the Padre game real quick, Roy. We were at the Padre game when they had Ace to squirrel there. So no, I'm I like, what is this too. Ace guy? <laughs> what is he doing? Oh, and he, you know, he obviously ran. He did that, and then later that same year we went to the Storm game, and we didn't know he was a part of the Storm kind of, uh, you know, in between inning festivities or whatever, and. I'm like, that's Ace. That's Ace. He's like, oh, he must. He, he must have came out from Lake Elsinore. But, but, but even, you know, but that's, even that's he, the funniest thing I've ever seen <laughs> on a baseball field. When he did that at Petco Park, because it caught yeah. everybody by surprise. Yeah. Nobody had any idea what was happening. Yep. And then all of a sudden, he came tearing across with that tail bobbing <laughs> behind him. It. I mean, it was everybody was was just cracking up. Um, so he was actually one of the sales staff there, right? Yeah, so he's our, one of our good friends um, and current group sales leader, uh, Eric Thies. And, you know, he, he was, um, I, I believe, a college All-American Division II uh, where he ran track. And, you know, he was finding his way in the in the minor league baseball industry because, again, in minor league baseball, you're wearing several hats and you bring in tremendous value based on who you are. And Eric, you know, was, was not only a great ambassador for our business and the community, but he happened to run the – he happened to be one of the fastest runners in California at the time, you know? So they put him in the suit. They say, hey, let's see what this happens, see if this sticks. And sure enough, he got some national attention on ESPN, um, and the Padres invited him out, him out and, and sold a couple more tickets for Storms Baseball. Man, and then the freeze came along and, took, and stu- stole his whole bit. Yeah, we're, we're used to that, you know, here right. at the lower levels. But that's what we're here for, you know? You're starting to see more and more minor league executives work at that level because baseball is, is evolving. It's, it's trans, transitioning a little bit where they're focusing more on the fan experience as well, because we're a dime a dozen. We're, we're kind of the dying breed of the baseball purists. You know, there's less and less of us and more and more of the families that want to have a great time, want to get the best, you know, food, get yeah. the biggest laughs. So I'm glad to see major league baseball doing more of that on their end as well. Okay. So a consistent message that you've talked about is service to your community. Um, and, so you started a foundation, Strike Out for a Cause. Uh, what was your inspiration for starting this? And can you just tell us what it's all about, what you do? Yeah, like our mission is to, provi- is to provide military families with those fun, memorable experiences where we have clients and partners that make it possible. And we provide those unique experiences with our professional players. Um, you know, we, um, we, we hone in on a craft where we can include the baseball players um, to be a part of those experiences. You know, last year we had Ty France and Jacob Nix at a Boeing event. And um, they were Boeing with kids and military families. And, you know, those things go a long way for those families where they yeah. can bond, interact, 
like we do on an everyday basis in a locker room. And um, those players, you know, are appreciative to be a part of those things. And for me, it's, it's just not done enough where we can be authentic and genuine on, on the community local level. And we just strive every day to find families in need and uh, we help them out any way we can. Well, you know, I, um, I took part in the uh, swing. Uh, was it swing for <laughs> swing? <laughs> it's a bat flip challenge. It was a flip bat flip for, challenge, yeah. dude. I was That's so right. stoked to do that. Like I'm like, Lily, we need to go to the park. We need to film me do this. Like I need to because I play rec ball. We both play rec ball, and we haven't been playing baseball for you know since all this stuff happened. And literally tomorrow, I'm going to go get my hip replaced. So I'm not going to be able to pick up oh, a no. bat. Um, well, it's a good well, thing. Well, you can pick it up, but you can't swing it. Right. You know, so that's the, the, <laughs> the last time I swung a bat was hitting the ball and, and, uh, and bat flipping for a cause, uh, you know, that yeah. tagged a bunch of people. And you got was, a corporate, a corporate partner with that? Yeah. You know, that was just something fun and, you know, unique that we decided to do, you know, with what's going on with COVID-19 and, you know, our first responders and frontline employees that, you know, we were saying like what we can do on our end. And regardless of how many how many people have participated, we were going to do our part. But we wanted to include as many people to feel like they were just as part of it as well. So the flip for first responders was basically, hey, for every flip, uh, we're going to go ahead and get first responders coffee. Thanks to our sponsors at Cold Brew with um, our friend Heath Bell. Oh, Heath Bell's a part of that. That's seven yeah. cold brew coffee. Yep. So we had a chance to work with him and. You know, he was doing some great things on his end already, and we were doing our thing on our end. So we like, let's collab, um, let's do something fun. You know, we got we got plenty of people to participate, and I, I think we donated over about two hundred fifty um, six packs of coffee to first responders. So is that his business? Seven Cobra, yeah, Heath Bell, our our good friend from the Padres, yeah. Okay, I'll okay. make sure to tag him on this. So can we get some of that sweet gear? Is there is there a place where we can uh, purchase some of that uh, Strike Out for a Cause gear? What, what Donovan's talking about, uh, Terrence is wearing a hat and uh, a long sleeve pullover. Dude, I dig this pullover. I'm not a big, big a hat guy, but I want the pullover. Like, if it's going for a you good cause, it. I'm all over it. Yeah, we're working on some things for our website, obviously, to you know do a link and whatnot. But you know, we're really just... Um, you know, we're just going to do the right thing no matter what. And, you know, I got your back, so I'll send some stuff your way. I like the backwards K. You struck him out looking. Yeah, yeah you got it. <laughs> well, and a, a big, uh, you know, I started calling uh, Joey Cantillo uh, the Hawaiian K out. So maybe we can get something like that next season when he when he's there. Hawaiian K out, Hawaiian K out for a cause. Yeah, I mean, once we get baseball going, we're going to include some, some players to pledge it with us. And, you know, we have a couple of players like Trevor McGill, um, and so forth that are going to dedicate X amount of dollars for every strikeout when they do play. And, you know, we're kind of still in the early stages with this whole foundation, but we're just having fun. And it's just nice to be able to give back. And yeah. this is endorphins that we get, you know, when we're doing something nice for others and I can never get enough with it and get to include my family with it. Well, that's fantastic. So before we were before we uh, were recording, you were telling us about your background that your mom is Ecuadorian and your dad is black. So uh-huh. you've grown up in a in a mixed race environment. Um, your dad's from Mississippi, so that probably yep. gives a different perspective on on what it's like to grow up as a person of color in this world. Uh, Donovan and I are a couple of white guys, so mm-hmm. we can only relate third hand to your stories that we've heard of this kind of stuff. Um, but with everything going on in the world. Um, do you have anything that you can relate any stories you could tell us or any kind of insight uh, into things that you've experienced on your journey, both either within baseball or through school or anything? Well, 
thanks for even talking about this subject because I know it's not easy, but it's needed. You know, for, for in order for there to be change or improvement, we need to continue to talk about it and bring it up as many platforms as we can. Um, but personally, you know, I, like I said earlier, like I'm forever indebted to my mom and de- my dad for raising me the way they did. Um, because, you know, for me personally, hearing what they went through, you know, and their grandfathers went through, I, I don't have a place in my part, in my heart to feel pity for myself and what I've gone through. You know, I, I didn't, I couldn't relate to the fact that there was a time and place where we couldn't go to the same restroom. We couldn't right. eat at the same restaurant. We couldn't drink from the same water fountain. Yeah. We couldn't go to the same schools. And, um, you know, those are things that I've always held tight with me to put all this going on today in perspective. And, you know, as we continue to grow and learn from our mistakes, you know, we really need to continue to do what we do best, which is being a prime example of how to interact and how to show love and compassion and empathy. And, you know, every day and every step matters. And, um, you know, I, I hope that we can learn from others' mistakes and others, you know, progressive movements where we can just make this world a better place because it's never going to be perfect, but we have a chance to, to do the right thing. And, um, you know, growing up, I can't, I'm not going to lie to you and say I never experienced you know, prejudice or anything like that. Um, but it's not going to stop me from making the right choice and doing yeah. the right thing. And, right. and I think that's the one thing that I want to teach my kids is that we can control what we do. And despite the others that may have done the wrong thing or may have said something really mean, that doesn't control what we do as individuals. So I know I'm amongst good people and you understand. Do you, uh, do you have family in Mississippi? Yes. On my dad's side. Um, and again, I'm from San Diego, so like I feel almost spoiled, right. you know. And I'm a I'm a spoiled person in my opinion because here I am, like complaining that it's 82 degrees and complaining like what do I have to complain about, yeah. you know. So like you're not going to see me throwing a, a pity party about anything, and I'm not saying that today's stuff is wrong because that's not what I'm saying. But it's an opportunity to stand up and shine positive on what we need to do to change for the better. You know, and that's what I really like about minor league baseball and their uh, and the Copa de División uh, kind of mm. campaign. The you know the celebration of all the Latin communities and throughout minor league baseball and some of these very very conservative parts of the country where and and I see a lot of these uh, you know a lot of the fan bases em- embracing you know the what, what do we have? You guys have the the co- conejos. De Lake yeah. Elsinore, you know, you had the, 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 the Apple Fighters, I think it's the Apple Fighters in Fort Wayne, you know. And, oh my God, I love that logo. And, and, and some of the, you know, the, and some of these hot, you know, once again, very conservative uh, parts of the country where they're embracing it, where, you know, my, through minor league baseball, through the community um, outreach with that, that there is becoming understanding. But there's so much farther, you know, we have so much farther to go. Um, it, it's easy for us to talk about this. Um, and, and to come from where we come from, being from San Diego, being around people of color my whole life, uh, you know, being around people with, with uh, you know, with different sexual orientations, it's kind of commonplace where we are. But reaching to the other people that, that aren't around people mm-hmm. of color so often and, and they come from a place of fear and misunderstanding. So all they think of is, is when they see people of color is this automatically they think negative thoughts, you know, and to bring the positivity and to bring hope to the, you know, respect to these people um, by just treating them like human beings that we wanted to be treated. I I think it goes a long way. It it is very tough to talk about it, you know, you know, 
being being a white guy with the privilege. I mean, I I, I don't I come from very humble beginnings uh, with my family, and you know, in recovery from drug addiction and alcoholism. Um, I I I really appreciate where you come from as a place of service to others. Um, being in recovery is definitely being of service to others. Well. Helping myself, I help others. Um, my career as, as in, in the food industry, I find to be very spiritual, and, and it's a way of being of service uh, with my job. Doing what I love is also something where a way of being of service. And in food service, kind of like minor league baseball, it's very spiritual because you're, you're, you're doing something for someone else, and mm-hmm. they're happy. So, like, uh, mm-hmm. making other people happy through food, through, you know, the minor league baseball and, and creating that atmosphere there, I think is, is um, it's very spiritual. And it's, it makes me feel good to come home at the end of the day. And it makes me feel good to go to work knowing that I'm helping others. I mean, we're, we're blessed, bro. We're blessed yeah. to serve others. Absolutely. Sure. So, I, I would like to think that I'll see a day when we don't refer to people based on a label that mm-hmm. it's not the first black president. It's not the first yeah. woman governor. It's not the first gay this. It's not, you know, that they're, it's just, we recognize people for who they are. But we're a long way from that that place in our society. So until then, we do need to, to pay attention. I What's been apparent to me is that there are, black people are treated differently in this mm-hmm. country. I don't see it because I'm not walking inside mm-hmm. in, inside that shell. I'm, you know, so I'm insulated from it, but all of this has opened my lives that my eyes that yeah, all lives matter, but right now black lives matter a lot and yeah. things need to change mm-hmm. on the way that they're treated, the way that people perceive them before they even open their mouth and say a word, there's already a response, there's assumptions that are made, and that's not fair. That's not how we need to treat other people as a society. Uh, so I want to do what I can to try to you know, support the movement and spread the word without being a hypocrite, without it's it's an awkward place to be a white guy, but I'm the last person to 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 ask for any kind of sympathy. I don't deserve yeah. anybody's sympathy. There's a lot of people in right. this world that need a lot of help. Um, and so I'm glad I'm hoping that some change comes out of this. At least a few minds are are changed that something needs to change. Police the the way that that police officers approach their job needs to be reformed. Yeah. The way that we look at our society in general, a lot of problems where the police officer is the first one on the scene, it's not necessarily a criminal problem. It's a mental health problem. It's mm-hmm. a domestic relations problem. It's something else that, yeah, there's a crime that may have occurred, but there's a deeper issue here that we as a society need to address uh, before just you know slapping handcuffs on somebody and putting knee in their back. There are other things we need to do to help each other that go beyond our criminal justice system. A, a well said, you know, because it's, it, it starts with us, you know, and I appreciate you, you know, being able to recognize that and say that and, and bring us on and talk about this, this matter. But we have an opportunity here to spread that love and spread the education factor. And, you know, people may not think it's a big deal, but it truly does make a big difference amongst your bubble, amongst your, your, your demographic. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I can't stress enough the fact that, you know, I'm proud to say that everything that I'm doing on my end is to help the future on their end because I know that I have a moral responsibility and an ethical responsibility on my end to stop the stigma, you know, and um, our leaders in this world and our industries have a responsibility as well. And, 
you know, I, I know I've reached out to give my thanks and gratitude to our leaders and amongst baseball. And I think that we're in a good direction and I'm, I'm very optimistic and, you know, pray that we will get out of this and over, you know, overlook this, not overlook it, but overcome it. Yeah, well, it, we will. Yeah, I, I believe we will. And it really does start with uh, the, the economics of for me, it's economics and everything starts with the economics, the, the, more hiring of people of color and all and all walks of life. Um, yeah, you know, I am um, particularly with, you know, the, the justice system in America. I remember after the Rodney King, uh, you know, after after the Rodney King, King trial, um, there was a concerted effort by the LAPD to change the way they police. And it mm-hmm. seems, you know, just like in the world around us in politics, the, it, it it goes in cycles. So for a while, it seemed like there was a large push for the police to kind of reshape their image to more community policing and not treating everyone like a criminal uh, to now it's kind of gone back around again to where maybe it never was, never, it never did change, but it seemed like it changed at least from my perspective where at least they were trying. Um, it, it seems now with the protest and, and all, all the protests, it seems like they're not even trying. They're not even talking about reform. Sure. Minnesota mm-hmm. just, you know, disbanded their police, um, and people think when they think defund the police, they're going to, they think that we're going to just not give money to the police. It is designating the money to go somewhere where it's not just buying them more munitions, more, uh, you know, paramilitary, uh, equipment. It's more about community outreach, more about educating the, you know, the, the, the police force, the, the cadets where, when it's protect and serve, not frisk and, you know, was it, what was it? Stop and frisk. Stop and frisk. Yeah. Stop and frisk. Yeah. When when the mindset of the officer is first thing they think of is you're doing something wrong, that's got to stop. That's not America. America is if you get pulled over for speeding, you get pulled over for speeding. You don't need to have your guns drawn out because of the skin of your color. You know, you don't need to yeah. throw your keys out because of the skin of your color. And it 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 God, it really gets me worked up. Terrence in yeah, all, all these stories that I keep hearing from all these, uh, there have been, um, Ian Desmond shared a whole bunch of them and I don't even think of him as a black, or a, a, he's, he's, I guess what you call mixed race, yeah. whatever. Uh, but he has story, all these stories that I've heard people, Taylor Trammell gave a fantastic interview, um, with, uh, Annie Heilbrunn. Um, it's up on YouTube. I recommend that looking at that up on her, uh, on her Twitter. Um, Anyway, I don't have I don't have a thought to go with that. I just wanted to bring up a couple cases of of stories that I've seen that shed light that help me relate a little bit. Um, you know, what what people go through. Yeah, I mean, there's no secret because, like you said, you know earlier, you know, look at the people around us. You know, how many like-minded people are we seeing that look like each other, like that look like us? And um, in in industries such as baseball, you know, there's there's not many African Americans and. You know, that's one thing that I know they're they're trying to do better at with, you know, RBI programs and whatnot. And, you know, it starts from every aspect where it be scouts or coaches or, you know, support staff, you name it, you know, because that's really kind of the culture of this whole thing is that we should include everybody and give everybody an equal chance, you know? Yeah. Because. Yeah. Well, this has been a fantastic conversation with you, Terrence. I really appreciate you taking the time to sit down with us and go over. I mean, gosh, we've touched on so many different subjects. Um, is there is there any uh, is there anything else we haven't touched on that you wanted to to highlight? No, I just again, I thank you guys for doing your part um, for shining light on this 
and for you know even having me on here is nice and to share my perspective and i definitely want to you know continue our efforts to helping you know everybody in need that could use some some fun times at the diamond in lake elsinore Absolutely. You know, and don't think we didn't think of you, you know, before all this stuff happened, because we have Joey Cantillo and we have Ryan Weathers on board with shirts. They're designed. They actually both their family. We released um, sales to them before we released it to the public. We kind of didn't release it to the public because right when this was happening, everything got shut down. So we already have um, we have already made a little money for the um, for the Lake Gerstner Storm Booster Club. Oh yeah, you're awesome. What we did yeah. do that where we got the dominant today. Um, the shirts are really cool. What we did do with that money that we did make um, with adopt a player, adopt a minor league player, we did spend that money and send it to players that needed it right away. I mean, obviously, we, with with um, you know with with no baseball being played, we couldn't get it to you guys. But there is money to be sent to you because I know as the clubhouse man, you got to feed these kids, and a lot of the money that you have to do that with comes through the booster club and what they do oh, uh, yeah. for you guys. So um, we got your back, and with these cool <laughs> these shirts are really cool, man. Uh, you're really gonna dig them. Uh, I'll have to buy a Lake. We Hill. just need to start playing baseball. Right, again. God. So what? So, so we need. How important is sports today? Um, you know, thinking about that locker room environment, the culture, um, the families, the fans. Again, going back to the very beginning of our conversation, baseball sports is a concept bringing all families together where they can enjoy their time with their families and loved ones and neighbors. You know, love that neighbor. And if we can do it through sports, I know we're all three of us are happy and um, in a good place. Excellent. All right, man. We will talk to you soon. All right. Thanks a lot. There have been times that I thought I couldn't last for long. But now I think I'm able to carry on. It's been a long, a long time coming, but I know.